Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Drake Podcast Show, the podcast that focuses on real people's stories. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to pastors to actors about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to be blessed with your host of the Drake Podcast Show, Dom. You're listening to another episode of the Drake Podcast Show with your host today, Dom K. I'm about to introduce to you in a few short moments a beautiful man's testimony, Dylan Parcell, who you may already know as a former rapper, superstar with his friend in the fame, MC Losty. But today, we're going to take a little bit of a different tone and talk about how he came back to Christ. Dylan, thank you so much for joining me on the air today, bro. When I asked you really spontaneously earlier today, the audience may not know is that this is completely unscripted. We are just going for gold today with Holy Spirit, aren't we? <laughs> Absolutely, man. It was out of the blue, but you know I'm all about it. Yeah. So where do we want to start? Where does the story start, in fact, of Dylan Parcell coming back to the church after a pretty rocky past, I guess? Do you want to explain in your own words? Absolutely, man. I think, I don't know, I think a lot of people have this this similar story, which is why when I tell people, I think they, they relate to, they like, you know, definitely understand where I'm coming from. Maybe they can't personally relate to it, but I think a lot of people grow up in maybe not a Christian family per se, but like a family that goes to church. Mm definitely a family that has experienced church to some level whether they've been to like a baptism or even like a confirmation at a catholic church or something there's always some level of understanding of faith somewhere you know my upbringing was basically the same we, we grew up in church with mom but my dad was an unbeliever and i guess for myself like it never really felt like my own faith it always felt like something that i borrowed from my mom so i think that my zero to 18 year old self all the way through that whole period it was a rocky period of not understanding what that meant to me personally, definitely like a borrowing from my mum. And even though it was kind of in my face as a kid and as a young teen, like it wasn't anything that was deep-seated in me that I understood. It was, I don't know, I'm sure that you can relate in some ways, man. It's like it's basically something you know about but haven't really experienced to some level. Yeah, definitely. I, I can 100% relate and empathise to the whole going to church but not having your foundation shaken to the point you actually want to submit completely to God and his will on your life. It's very much that Sunday Christian kind of existence. But Monday through to Saturday, you just keep on sinning and and you really, when you look at it, you're not winning in life at all. Nah, 100% bro. And even even further removed from just just sin in general, it's the, the Monday to Saturday, a feeling as though like this is reality and then Sunday feels like a chucky best suit on and mm. actually living a false reality like church to me actually felt like a place where I couldn't be myself mm. rather than the opposite you know like it felt like Monday to Saturday was me yeah that was me being myself and hanging with the people that I really connected and gelled with and Sunday it was like the, the Christian friends that I had nothing in common with and listening to a pastor talk about a book I didn't really believe in and so yeah it was an interesting time man it felt more or less like a false reality for Sunday living. What was the catalyst moment of change for you, Dill, would you say? Did something really near death have to happen for you or something dramatic have to happen to you or some people that you really looked up to and I guess idolised at the time for you to realise that like the foundation had to be shaken and that Jesus did need to be made number one again in your life for things to go well for you? Yeah, man, I think that's where like I'm thankful and I I, I see the blessing in in ageing and having the opportunity to get older you know like a, it's a 
a privilege denied to a lot of young guys and a lot of young girls who, you know, lose their life at a young age, you know, even before 20 or even before 10, some young kids pass away. And it's so sad because you don't ever get a chance to sort of return from this boy that you go to, you know, like I know that someone like a Tupac, you know, he was a famous rapper and people really idolise him and his words and stuff. But I always feel like if he made it past 25, that he was. I can only imagine the depth of understanding that comes with age. Add that to the passion that he had and I just think that you would have seen a completely different person as he got older. I think for myself, man, it took me getting into my mid, you know, to late 20s to actually understand where the reality was in any of these things that are being told to me and how I could actually look at that as my own thing and actually who I was created to be, you know what I mean? So I guess I had to head down a pretty rocky path I'm quite transparent with it, man, if I'm being honest. You know, I don't mm. I don't shy away from talking about a porn addiction or talking away about a sex addiction and alcoholism and all that kind of stuff, man. And while I didn't necessarily didn't see it as sin when I was growing up, I definitely knew that it was covering up something else that I was dealing with, you know, like rather than ever having to deal with things, it would just be easy to just go pick up a bird and, you know, smash a few plants and mm. make that just my you know, Saturday routine basically through my early 20s and rather ultra sad and I think it was deep, deep depression bro which was struggling to get out of bed. I went through unemployment for a little while as well. It just was a cocktail man of things that were happening in my life that led me to a place where I was so depressed. I think that's the place it's so odd because I always felt like I had to be good enough but it was when I was at my worst, my worst that I truly experienced the love of God I think for the first time ever in the capacity that it came in where it was nothing fake about it. It was a, it was a true real love that I experienced. It really is that undeserving grace, isn't it? Every single time we think we've hit rock bottom, God says, you think this is rock bottom? The disciples didn't even think that my son, the God in human flesh, was there for them. Like they talk about in Genesis. They were calling out in doubt and fear, even when there was a boatload of fish just waiting to happen as Jesus casted one of his first miracles. And they still had this underarching doubt, which I believe is really just the human condition of rebellion, right? Rebellion and pride. And for me personally, again, I relate to your story and to the audience viewing today, just to understand the context. I was a bit of a rebellious child, a lot like Dill, but I never fell so far from grace that I couldn't find my steps back to where it all started at youth group when I was 14. As Dill said, putting on my Sunday suit, putting on my Sunday finest, but carrying so much guilt and I guess animosity towards the church because I didn't understand how this pure existence could actually come and collide into my life personally. And see, it might not be as dramatic for you tuning in today. I want you to know that we are never too far away from God's grace. He's always calling on your heart. It's just a matter of whether you're willing to answer that door or whether you're going to continue to try and find a way for yourself in the flesh, but not understand what the spirit has and has promised for you long ago. So what happens after that for you in your twenties? What, what was the, again, what was the the life changing moment for you? I think, man, it was, so, you know, like as you start to age and I think I mean, 20 is not old, say, if you, yeah. you know, look at the extent of what a human life can go to. But at the same time, man, it's the oldest that you've been. And so you have the understanding of what it was to be a child and a teenager, and now you're in your 20s. It's this navigating between coming from school and then having to get yourself into what's going to be a career for a long time. And a lot of big decisions start to pop up, the responsibility of being out of home. Mm. trying to you know figure that out as well and, and I think that's where you actually come into your own because you start to have to think for yourself and it's like what do I really believe in and how am I going to run my household and like 
what is my life going to be built on? I can't rely on my parents anymore. And I think for myself, man, I battled uh, panic disorder from the age of 10. I was diagnosed with panic disorder and it got really severe when I was about 22. And I was driving home from Parramatta and I was going along the freeway there and started to just hyperventilate and freak out, passed out behind the steering wheel, narrowly avoided a car crash, pulled into the side of the road, got, got onto the ambulance and basically told them I thought I was dying because I didn't understand at the time what a panic attack was to that level. I'd had so many of them, but never one that felt so gripping to that. It was this weird experience where I really felt like some demonic power was like, had almost come in and like, ripped me apart sort of thing. It was just really disturbing moment for me. So I came out of that, man, and, and that was where I really was like, damn, I think I've hit like a new low. My brothers at that time were actually going across to America and doing a trip. And so I got two brothers and they were organizing to go and do this big holiday. And so every time they talk about it at home, it would just annoy me so much because I, because of this panic disorder that I had and this detachment anxiety. Traveling for me was off the cards. Like I never wanted to travel. I never chose to travel because it was almost too scary for me to even think of traveling, let alone doing it. And any time that I traveled before that period, it had just led to huge panic attacks and having to come home early. The thought of even leaving the country, let alone going to a different town or a different state, you know, was too much for me, so I just avoided it completely. So I heard them having these chats about it, and this is at my most rebellious phase too. I was with a girl that, you know, we just weren't good for each other, and it was leading, leading to just terrible decision-making constantly. Mm. And so I was at home, and both my brothers had decided to go out for dinner that night. My mum had gone out just me at home by myself and I was sitting there and I was really into Christian rap you know I listened, listened to a lot of Christian rap even though I wasn't a Christian which is kind of funny I always just thought they were really good and so I had that on and one of the songs popped up and it was called Safest Place it's by an artist called Seven and the lyrics are basically about finding peace within a storm and finding safety within like panic and fear and all this kind of stuff and it was really just resonated with me hard on that at that moment so it's the first time I think I was honest with God and I I think my prayers up until that point were very much like, thank you for everything and hello. And you know, I mean, like, it was like just having to approach God like he's like unapproachable, you know. But at this moment, it was this, this reality, this probably most honest prayer I ever prayed. And it was, I don't know what I'm doing with myself, God. And I feel like my life is in ruins. I don't even really believe in you or anything that I've heard. I think it's all a load of crap. But I know that I can't get through this panic disorder by myself. And um, I know this trip is going to be a life-changing thing for me and my brothers and a thing that we're going to tell at dinners and stories we're going to have for years and years and if I miss it, I really think I'm going to hold on to that regret for my whole life. And it was this really earnest prayer where it was like, I don't really even believe in this God that I'm praying to or really understand who it is or whether everything Christianity has told me is fake or not, but it's just me and God at the moment. There's no Christians in the room. There's no one else. It's just me. And so I woke up the next morning and my uncle, who is a Christian, he texted me and said hey man can you give me a buzz so I got on the phone with him and I said hey what's cracking Mick like you know my uncle Mick is a big legend and he said man you know I woke up this morning Gil and um, I don't know God just pressed on my heart to buy you your ticket to America uh, so at the time I was unemployed didn't have money and that's part of why I couldn't go as well so he bought me my ticket wow. gave me a little bit of spending money the next day my nan dropped a bag around and she goes there you go and then it was like oh crap now I'm going to America I've got to start dealing with this and I had these two sessions with this Christian counsellor and then Sally who you know Sally Warner mm. she's amazing I love her dearly and she ended up becoming like a real spiritual guide for me in so many ways about just how to navigate the Bible and, and how to rely on God's promises and trust in, in, in the hard periods and stuff, you know? So she said to me, I have a, a real vision of when you land in America, when you step foot off that plane, I feel like your mind is going to open up and anxiety is going to be replaced with a peace which will never leave you sort of thing. And at the time, we were like, well, that's hard to fathom because I've had anxiety now at this point for 13 years, every single day waking up, just hoping to get through the day, you know what I mean? Like 
even talking about it, it's, it, it seems unreasonable that I ever would have thought that I could have gotten through that, mm. being in that place that I was. But, you know, I trusted it, man. And I went, you know what? I've just had this weird experience where I prayed and asked God to come through and I saw it with my own eyes. And I went, oh, I'm going to trust. And so I started to read the Word and I started to learn about God's promises and learn about peace and where it comes from and how to be, you know, feel like you're safe in the middle of this crap. And so just learned the word and got it into me. And it was a really weird experience, but as I stepped off the plane in America, my first thought was, oh man, I can't wait to get to the hotel. I had no thought about anything. And without even realizing what she'd said, it wasn't until we got towards the end of that trip and we'd gone through the whole of America and we were almost ready to come back and it hit me like a ton of bricks and it was like overwhelming and I went, wow. Like it was the goodness of God displayed in such a real way that was undeniable for me where it's like, I wouldn't care and I still don't if people don't believe that story and they go, oh, it's all just coincidence. Like call it what you want. For me personally, I know that God's real and I know that he loves me and has a plan for me because it was this moment in my life where it was this, this earnestness and I just bought all the baggage and the crap that no one could help me with and could never help me to that period for 13 years of my life. There was no one that could help me. And in this one season of my life where I just chose to hand it over to God for the first time ever, he came through in such a miraculous way where I've walked in peace now for four years, I'm 27 now, but to the level where I was, where I had a panic disorder every day in my life, to the point where I'm at now, where I, I walk and I live in peace and I've been able to travel to Africa and been able to do these amazing trips around Australia and it still to this day boggles my mind how much God can change and transform and redeem a broken and destroyed and shattered life. So, and I mean, Jill, that's really my story, man. Jill, that is a remarkable story of just a, such a significant change of a place of constancy in fear and trepidation for worldly things versus mm. now a 27-year-old man completely refined and seen as pure in God's eyes and blameless. Just so much peace just pouring out in every day for you. And just a simplistic thing as like a song playing by Seven that just really resonated in your heart. And God used such a simple thing like music in such a beautiful way to bring you back together again, to bring you back to that place of rest and peace and assurance that he is lord and that he has plans to prosper and not to harm you and he has mm. made a way for us well before we were even thought of or imagined and came into being and i just think that that is just like it is it's crazy how can that be merely a coincidence it has to be a christ divine incidence right and i know mm. that you know deep down that God never gave up on you and that's what's kept you going all these years. I've seen that and watched that from afar in an observation point that he's only just starting to give you the life you dreamt of when you were living glass half empty, you know, rather than fully immersed in trusting in Jesus. So I really believe that he is going to use you in some significant ways in your music ministry. But even more than that, I do see a global calling. And I believe when the borders open up again, whenever that may be, he is going to send you out onto the devil's hounds and just show that even people like that who are at the lowest point in their life can be redeemed if they would just listen to the word God is trying to give them, the advice God is trying to give them. 
through mm. a messenger like yourself. So, bro, it's such an honor to hear, you know, such the humble path that you've taken. I'd love to go back to a little bit more about your rap career, just so people can understand that there really was true temptation out there for you to pursue sure. that rock and roll life versus what God had for you all along. What happened with 100%. you and MC Losty crowd? What was that all about? Yeah, well, Losty was more more of a friend than a mentor um, and someone that I really respect and admired than someone I did music with. Mm. Um, we, we did make an EP together, so that's not 100% factual, but um, I met him at a radio station and we just built instant rapport and he became, he's still to this day one of my closest friends and uh, yeah, I love him dearly, he's like another brother to me. But the guys that I was doing the music with for a long time, uh, Chris Cynical and Phantom, still close friends with those guys, but we started to pursue the music and I guess with that lifestyle does come not just the temptation, you know, to substance abuse and I think that's the most obvious one when you're doing music, but I think even more than that and one that's probably a little hidden with from people is actually the temptation to like make everything about yourself so it's this self-centeredness where I would turn up to a gig and a lot of our boys we'd turn up to gigs if we knew that someone was going to be there that could give us an opportunity and you'd butter them up and you buy them a few drinks and it's, it's horrible because it, it takes away the love for people and it makes it all about what they can do for you rather than you being in service to them so having done that for years and years and years I built up this way of just being able to use and abuse people and found like a way that I could always get my own way in the music industry it led to being to do a bunch of cool stuff with heaps of people but I guess at the end of it man it was the relationships and things that I built in music that are still there having left that, that industry behind and looking back what I'm left with is actually just really good friendships that was really the thing in, at, at the end that actually meant anything to me all the industry opportunities and all these cool things that we did and Losty gave me so many opportunities man and I, I couldn't thank that guy enough seriously he, he really laid his own you know, careers down to input into guys like myself and, you know, let us see basically the whole country doing music. We travelled the whole country, whether playing shows with Cursor or Seth Century and Naughty by Nature. We did a show with Tiger, Ty Dollar Sign and a bunch of randoms. It was pretty cool, man. And I think that I look back and I go, wow, that's that's pretty amazing. That a dude would just take me under his wing, you know, a little bit older than me and give me this trust that I'm going to do the right thing by him and stuff. And it didn't really pop off, pop off for us as far as the fame and things like that. What I was really hoping to get from it, music really took from me more than it gave to me it became this thing where I would expect to get a certain amount of response or numbers or whatever on my videos and I wouldn't get it and it yeah. kind of just fed into this rejection no. thing that I had going on that's you crazy like, that's crazy yeah. it really perpetuates and becomes a bit of a revolving door and that's exactly what the angel of light so you know true. Lucifer tried to kind of confuse people with thinking well I'll give it all to you I'll give you the fame I'll give you the glory I'll even give you the gift of music and you can always expect in return that spirit of comparison, complacency, and just this discontent, you know, that's going to eventually Absolutely, lead man. to your own death and demise. And we see that so sadly with the 27 and the 26 club, don't we, in LA, you know, so many people pursue mm. the lights and the fame of a rock star, but they don't realize it actually comes at a great and dear cost, which is the grave. And Jesus is the only one that was able to conquer the grave and raise Lazarus from the dead. So why are we trying to almost take over the control, take over the driver's seat into our own destiny when he's already marked us and inspired us for great things. We don't have Absolutely. to fear for a moment that he isn't starting a beautiful work that he will eventually fulfill to completion. So I'm just so Absolutely. encouraged to hear that you didn't let that become your own demise. We may not even be having this interview and this conversation today if you did allow the limelight to take over 
the true fight, which is for salvation. And if anyone is currently on the air tonight and they're really struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts, I want you to know that me and Dill are such an open book. I've been through depression too, and it hasn't been an easy race. Now 32 years of age and living in a daily, you know, repentance of any of those fears that I let bowl me over in the past, God has replaced with joy. And he can do that for you today too, friend. All you got to do is, like I said earlier, ask him to come into your life, even when you're not absolutely sure what the hell's going on and if there is much of a future for you to live for tomorrow i'm telling you there is always a purpose to you being here on earth today 100 and bro you know like with making things an idol it's, mm. it's obvious you know when there's a golden calf you know for mm. example like when moses he comes back down the mountain he sees they've made a golden calf and they're worshiping it it's like it's obvious when something's a golden calf that it's an idol but some things are like hidden idols and you don't even realize that you're worshiping them and you're, you've exalted them above God. So for me, the idea of fame and the idea of having people love me and worship me, and I almost became like a God in my own eyes, you know? And I think that it's really easy in the modern world because, bro, I don't think we're supposed to have a community of 10,000 people that know everything about us, you know? Yeah. Like having that small circle of people that actually so into your life and know you well uh, does way more wonders for your life than having 10,000 people tell you you're the best ever on, online. Well, think um, about this grand think- example. Jesus only had bloody 12, Dill, and even with those 12, he struggled to have intimate catch-ups and conversations with them because they were constantly competing and quarrelling amongst one another. And he too, in that time, had to pray to the Father and take some rest as well, some, some R&R yeah. time out before he performed the next miracle. And you just think um, about that. We're spiralling, you know, a real rabbit hole if we think that 50 people are going to know us intimately. It's not the Father's yeah, call true. for us to know everybody or be known by everybody, but it's our call for Him to be known by everybody if they so Absolutely. choose to decide to believe and allow that to come into conscience and existence. And it's Definitely. not going to be an easy fight. I'm telling you right now, I'm fighting at the moment thinking, well, God, my podcast is only reaching five people. Let it be so. If it's five people hmm. or one person, He would leave the other 99 sheep to go and get that one and save them from peril. And we need to have that same attitude of faith when we go and talk to people intentionally, whatever we may be doing and whatever platform we may be doing it on. I just love that we're all doing our part for the wider body of Christ. And so today, before I end the call, because I did agree to only do a part one today of this very busy man, folks, is there anything you'd like to leave with my viewers today that would just really encourage them to just soldier on for this cause? Yeah, I think, man, look, one thing I would love to, to say, and it's, it's been a topic that we've talked about a lot recently with friends of mine, particularly my older brother, someone I get a lot of wisdom from, he's experienced a very similar life to me, but in you know, different ways. We've been talking about how, you know, you've, you've battled with alcoholism or with drugs or whatever. Hmm. There might be a period of time where you have to remove yourself from that place. You know, maybe it's best for you not to hang out with people who are doing a bunch of drugs and to go to the clubs and stuff. It's probably wise to, to take that temptation away from you and to not put yourself in the firing line and get into like a cycle of just self-hatred because you're self-sabotaging your growth and your progress. You know what I mean? Because like, you're making these great steps forward and you keep putting yourself back in the, in the fight before you've won the war. And I think that when you start to get true freedom in an area, because sometimes, man, it can be a, a period of time where you walk away from those things and you go, you know what, I'm walking away. And for me, with the music industry, there was a period of time where I had to stop going to gigs and I had to stop having people coming around and record and all these different things because the temptation was still there to want to make it as a rapper. You know what I mean? Rather than be a minister of the gospel and be a worshiper, I wanted to still be this famous rapper. So having myself in that, in that situation before I had that understanding and that true revelation that it actually 
become part of what I think. It was like I had to take myself away from that circumstance and maybe for some people that are listening today, maybe you're pursuing something and it just feels like every time you get back towards it, it, it takes your eyes off of God and it goes back onto self. I just would encourage you to like, give yourself grace to have a season where maybe that's not your focus um, and allow God to heal that area for you and, and actually give you some victory in that battle. That gives you a heart where you can actually go maybe back into the fight once you're covered in scars and not open wounds. You know, like you have the scars to prove you've, you've done the war and the battle, but they're not open wounds anymore. Once God's done that work in you, I think that you have a really like great understanding of those people and the way that their mind works, but you also have a great level of grace and compassion for where they're at. And I really think that God uses people with that heart and also that, that walk who had to battle through the freedom that it takes to get out of that circumstance. And I think once you get the freedom through Christ and through the Holy Spirit working through you, once you put yourself back in that fight and back in that place where they are, you have just such a such a father's heart towards these people. And I really think you can minister in such a special way to these people, having been there yourself, but also having the freedom that Christ gives. So I would just encourage people, if you feel like you want to get back into those, those areas, just really make sure that you have really got a deep sense of understanding of the freedom that you have in that area. And if you don't feel like you do yet, don't rush yourself to get back in there because it can actually just do more harm than good. But if God has called you back into that, that realm and back into that area and that sphere of influence, give it time and make sure that you're just so prayed up and covered. I would encourage you that if you feel like you're ready to go back in there, just trust the Holy Spirit to back you all the way because He loves those people and He wants to see them free. I love that so much because if God isn't warranting or giving you permission to go and fight that thing or to take on that thing, no matter how within reach it may look in the physical and the natural the supernatural may be closing that door for a good reason and you've just got to trust the process so where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom i love that song and i love that quote to just take away today to end today well bro thank you so much for jumping on the drake podcast show it's been awesome to really briefly but deeply hear your heart which is so closely aligned with the father's heart as it is mine for more information or if anyone wants to ever get in touch with you and maybe have a cup of coffee if they're here in inner western sydney how can they find you on the socials i'm still on socials at so option s-o-l-e option um or alternatively you can hit me up on on instagram at uh eat swam which is quite an interesting name but uh if people want to be you know following me and stuff still soul option at my music and um yeah i always love hearing from people particularly ones that have resonated with the stories and stuff and just getting deeper with the chat but yeah cheers for having me man it's been truly an honor i appreciate it And there you have it, folks. Dylan Parcell, thank you so much, mate, for your time, your wisdom, and your story. If you missed last week's episode, then head over to iHeartRadio and Spotify to catch up on them now. Now for some family business, I have some big news to share with all of you. And to be on the safe side, you might need to be seated for the next announcement. Ready? The Drake Podcast Show is heading over to Apple Podcast subscriptions. So for all of you wanting to listen to bonus members-only content, including hilarious outtakes and fast track premiere episodes of this show you will need to sign up to my annual subscription box today click on the apple podcast link in the episode description to get started to everyone else good night